understanding all set all right well good morning man i'm glad you guys are here um it has been a crazy week um in in my house and in my job and everything and school's getting ready to start and everything which means that i'm going to be spending days being manual labor for my wife and everything so anybody interested in helping with her classroom please come see her so i'm not the only one moving furniture next week and stuff so we'd love to have that but uh, man I'm excited about this series and and all that um, we have started in if if you're just joining us this week we've been talking about this idea of how do we get rooted Um, how do those roots go deep in our faith because I think there's kind of a condition that's been happening especially in the western church where we have stayed very shallow and gone very wide but we have not gone very deep And because of that, a lot of people are struggling in their faith, and a lot of people are not understanding what's going on and how do I live out this faith. And so I'm hoping, and my prayer for us is over these weeks that we're going through this, that we get those tools necessary. I I never want it to be that you just come and hear a sermon and then you walk out, because then it's a huge waste of time. And so my heart, and hopefully your heart, is that we grab something that God meets us where we're at, right where we're at, and he changes us a little bit, and we take something with us. Because as I will say, every Sunday that I'm here, we can never, ever be the church in here if we're not the church out there. It is not about us coming and singing some songs. It's about us living out a faith that is dynamic, that is purposeful, that can literally change the world that we live in. And so that's my heart for us. And so today, um, the first week we talked about just establishing, you just have to know God. That's the very beginning of it, knowing who he is, starting that relationship, being in that relationship. Last week we talked about hearing from God. That he has given us tools, he's given us abilities, that we can actually hear his voice in our life. And so this morning, the next possession is how do we talk to God now? And probably you guys have heard sermons about prayer and all this stuff. I'm going to actually just kind of take that and set it aside for a moment this morning as we just kind of dive into that. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we have some laid about. Take one. If you don't have one, put your name in that. That's our gift to you. You can keep that. If you love electronics and you love your electronic devices, we actually have a Wi-Fi here. It says GBC Guest on it. Just type in Find More in all lower caps, and you can follow along. As I said at the beginning of the service, I believe this with all my heart. These are the only words that matter this morning. It doesn't matter what some theologian or some great thinker that's a lot smarter than me said. It is these words that change lives. And so I'm going to ask just out of respect for that and out of acknowledgement for the authority, um, if you won't mind, if you would just stand with me as we read in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9, a, very, a passage you have probably heard over and over and over again. But Matthew writes this. He says, Jesus speaking, Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you this morning. God, I thank you for the privilege of us coming together. God, I thank you that we don't have to pray and ask and beg for you to be here because you were here long before any of us woke up this morning. God, I pray right now that this morning, these would be your words, not mine. God, that you would use these words, God, that you would use your word to penetrate hearts, God. God, that we would be challenged, God, that we would be encouraged, but most of all, that we would be changed. 
God, that we would be different because we're in your presence today. God, what a gift that is. You don't need us to sing. You don't need me to preach. But you invited us this morning into your presence. And so, God, I pray you would just hide me, put me away, remove every distraction. God, and give us ears to hear, give us hearts to respond, and give us the courage to go out and live it. So, Father, whatever needs to happen this morning, let it happen. God, you just have your way, and may you get all the glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, really, I think the basis of life for me, and I think the basis of all life, there's a couple of things, is that one, I think we, life is all about us actually knowing God. Us is about knowing and walking with God, that that's the part of, I think that's God's will. I think there are two things that are God's will. If you're never sure what God's will for your life is, you're unsure of what you should do, it's very, very simple. I think we should know him and we should make him known. That is God's will. And that can be in any place, any job, any circumstance. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to. That is everyone to know God and to make him known. That's where we find our purpose. That's where we find our meaning. That's where we find our direction. But the truth is also to do that, we have to learn to be with God. It's a relationship we're talking about. It's, a, it's like being with God is reading our Bible. Being with God is praying. God is having that communication of hearing from him and sharing with him our hearts, and it's back and forth. It's not a one-way street. We want to have a chance we're actually being with him. I think we get so focused in the church today about doing that we have lost the idea of what it means to be. I think we get so focused, and we're going to talk about this, that we get so focused on, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do that, where my Bible in the Psalm says, be still and just know that I'm God. The actual translation for the Hebrew is just stop striving, stop forcing it, stop it, just be with God. And the best place we do that, and really the only place we really get to do that, is when we're in his word and we're talking and we're praying with him. But I think a lot of us have a misunderstanding of what prayer is. It's even intimidating that maybe there's some certain language, certain words I should use and everything. And it's so much easier because really all prayer is is a conversation. We have conversations every single day with people around us, (coughs) with family members, with friends. And so it kind of confuses me and kind of befuddles me is why is it so difficult for us just to have a conversation with God. And so this morning, what I want to do is I really just want to look at three simple principles. I just want to give you three things about prayer that hopefully will change what you do and the way you look at it and the way you proceed in prayer. So, hey, there we go. So I said three different principles. Very first one is I want you to understand is that this is a relational transaction. Oh, I love technology. There we go. So it's a relational transaction. It is not a religious transaction. I think we've gotten this idea that this is just something I do. It's, it's a checklist. It, it's, again, it's, I have to pray. I pray a certain way. And like a lot of us will have heard this passage before, and we call it the Lord's Prayer, don't we? This isn't his prayer. (sighs) 
All he's telling us right there, he says, therefore, you should pray like this. Here is a model. Here's something. Here's how you should pray. Here's what should be included in the prayer. But it's not just I sit down and I say the Lord's Prayer. I remember growing up and I was playing football. Every time before the game, what would we do? Circle up, kneel down. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let's go kill somebody. I mean, that's (laughs) guys, that's not a prayer. That's just a religious transaction. And what we need to understand that God wants a relationship with us. It's totally different. It's totally different. Listen, look at what Jesus says. In verse 9, therefore you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. You guys have heard this a thousand times. He said, there, of course, that's the Lord's prayer, our Father. This was scandalous when Jesus said this. Do you understand that? He's in a bunch, a group of Jews that are sitting there, highly religious people, and he says, you're going to say our Father, and they're all like, (gasps) no, you're not. They were so afraid about God and God's name, they couldn't, it was against the law to say his name. When the scribes would write about it, they would just put like a little symbol. They would not even write the name of God out. And so for Jesus to come up all of a sudden and says, here's how you start, our Father. Everyone there is looking at him going, I can't do that. There's no way we can talk to God that way was unheard of at the time. But it speaks to the heart of this relationship that God wants with us. See, I think too many of us think our relationship is based on performance. If I do this, then God will love me more. If, if, if I go to church, if I tithe and give, if I go out on mission trips or I do this and I have my little checklist and I'm like, like, look, God, look at all the things I've done for you. Love me more. Love me more. It's like a little kid. It has nothing to do with our performance. It has everything to do that the creator of the universe wants you to say, I'm your father. Now, listen, I understand in our culture there are some of us, maybe even in this building today, that did not have a relationship with their father. It was not a good one. In fact, every time you think of that, it says, uh, uh, this is my view of a father. He was demanding. He was judgmental. He was hard on me. I have no relationship with my father. And that may be hard for you to understand or comprehend and use that. And it may even be offensive. And I understand that. And I'm, first of all, I'm so sorry. Because I think the greatest gift, the greatest job in the world is being a dad. And one of the greatest responsibilities. And I think most of our cultural woes are because men are not being dads. And it just annoys the living snot out of me. And so if that's a problem, you can also, you can talk to God the way Jesus talked to him. You know what he said? He said, Abba. You know what Abba means? Daddy. I'm not saying you have to pray Daddy. But if it's hard for you to picture what your earthly father was, can I tell you the heavenly father, God, our father, is perfect in every way. He'll never let you down. He'll never disappoint. He'll never do anything that's against your harm and all that. He is always looking out for your best interest. It may not be the same things that we want, but he always wants the very best for you. And so if it's hard, then I just encourage you this week just to pray Abba. 
But the point is, is that God wants a relationship with us. It is a relational transaction between us. It is an intimacy between us. The Jews at the time had no idea. Do you understand Jesus died not for what he did, but for what he said? That was the accusations. You said you're the son of God, that you and the father are one, that there's this intimate relationship. That's impossible. That's blasphemy. And that's what they used to accuse him to place him on the cross. But he wanted you to know, and he wants me to know, and he wants everyone to know that God has always wanted that intimate relationship with us. That's what prayer is. What a precious gift. By the way, God doesn't need you to pray to him. He doesn't need us to sing songs. He definitely doesn't need me to preach. But it's that relationship is what he wants so much that he invites us into. It is a relational. So get that in your head. If, if you don't hear anything else, just understand there's a God that wants a relationship with you. And that blows my mind every morning when I wake up. That the creator of everything wants to hang out with me. And that because I know him, I'm already perfectly loved. I'm already perfectly accepted by him. I don't have to do anything to add to that. That I, It's already set and done. And because of that, I can go and do other stuff. Because of that, because of that relationship, because of that intimacy, I want to go tell other people about it. Because I see people hurting and dying that don't have a real father. That have no idea what a real relationship is. I see people that are struggling that have no purpose and they're lost. And because I love him and he loves me, I go and do it. I don't do it to make him love me more because I can't make him love me more. It's already done. That's the relationship I'm talking about in prayer. Abba, Father, it is a relational transaction. Principle number two. Be yourself. I love this thing. There it is. Just be yourself. Don't try to fake it till you make it. <laughs> We're good at that in our culture. I was good at that, man. I grew up in church. Let me tell you something. I was born, and I was in Baptist nursery like the next week. <laughs> I've seen every flannel graph about Jesus. That's before we had like the TVs and everything. We, I've seen every overhead, I've been to every VBS, I've been to every kind of camp and all stuff. I knew exactly what to say, when to say it, when to stand, when to sit, how to look solemn, how to look happy. I knew it all. And I think sometimes we approach God with this idea that, okay, if he just doesn't know that I'm upset, it'll be okay. Listen, if God doesn't know you're upset or knows what's going on in your life, can I tell you something? Your God and my God are two different people. A God that doesn't understand everything there is about me is too small for me to follow. Just be yourself. In fact, it goes on in there. Look at, look at what he says. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do nothing and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I love that it starts with this idea that God, your father, but you're also your God and I'm not. Hallowed be your name, not my name. It's about your glory, not my glory. And God, I'm fallible. I'm going to mess up, so forgive me. God, I have needs that I will never be able to take care of. I'm trusting you for it. It's this idea of just being real. I think 
a lot of us deal with the idea that we're going to disappoint God. Let me try to take that weight off you. You can't disappoint God. Disappoint God is, means, disappointment means unmet expectations. My God already knows everything I'm going to do. He is sovereign. He is in control. He knows when I'm going to mess up. He knows when I'm going to blow it. He knows when I'm going to lose my temper or do whatever. He already knows that. And he's made a way for me not to have to stay in that. He knows everything. I mean, just think about this. This blows my mind away. God knows every single thing about me and loves me anyway. I know all the deep, dark stuff, and I'm like, that's not lovable, and yet God knows it all, and he loves me anyway. And God proved it. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you had nothing to offer, when you had nothing to do with God, when you were literally an enemy of God, he still died for us. He already knew everything. You're not going to blow it with God. You're not going to disappoint God. He made a way for that. We're called to be ourselves. Nothing we do will take God by surprise. You know that? Nothing that you're ever going to face, nothing that's going to happen. God's not going to sit there and go like, whoa, how'd that happen? <laughs> Why'd you do that? He sees it all. He knows it all. Again, if you don't think God knows everything there is to know, then that is a small God. And I'm telling you right now, get up and leave because that's not worth your time. It's not worth my life. My God is sovereign. He is in control. And there's nothing that ever takes him by surprise. Ever. So just be real with him. Be real with him. That's what it talks about in 1 Peter. It says, in the same way, you who are younger, be subject to elders. I want you to pay attention to the second half. All of you clothe yourselves with what? Humility. All of you clothe yourselves with what? Humility. Humility towards one another. Because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know what humility means? It's translated, it means honesty. It means that I'm going to come to God and I'm going to say, this is me. You already know, but I'm going to show it to you. You already know my flaws. You know my weaknesses. You know the things I'm blind. I want you to see it all, God. He already knows. Share it all with him. That's what he wants. That's a relationship. It's not us trying to keep and compartmentalize stuff. It's not us trying to separate things from God and say, hey, I don't want him to see this. I don't want him to see that. He sees it all already, so share it all. Share your joys. Share your frustrations. When you're mad at God, say I'm mad at God. God will never look at you and like, you hurt my feelings. I'm going away. And I think that's what we think. I think we feel like we have to pray in a certain language. I had a friend, he was a pastor when we were overseas in Sicily, a mission. And we were working there, and I loved him. He was a good friend, and every time he got up in the chapel to, to preach, he would start his prayer, and he would just talk. He was a good old boy. He's like, everything's good and everything. And all of a sudden, he'd start praying, and it's all of a sudden, Oh, Lord, 
thou art great and mighty. <laughs> and then he starts preaching. He's like, all right, y'all. <laughs> you don't be real. And he already knows it. So why try to fake it? The best thing I ever I ever do on every day is like, God, I'm struggling right now. I don't like what you're doing in my life right now. I'm not very happy with it. I have yelled at God. I've been in my car, music's blaring, and I'm having a shouting match with God, and people drive past me very quickly because they see no one else is in there. But I know there's somebody in there. They think I'm nuts. And I'm yelling, going, God, I don't understand this. Why hasn't this happened yet? We've been praying for years for this. What's going on? And when I'm all done, God's like, are you finished? You feel better? Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. You're never going to hurt God's feelings. So be real. Be, be honest. Share it all with them. Isn't that nice to know that there's one being that you can share everything Guys, I can tell you, we've been married 30 years, and we don't keep secrets. But there are things that it may take me a few days to share because I'm like, this is, this is just so big and heavy on me. And she knows, and she'll let me, or I see it on her. Isn't it nice to know there's always a place that immediately I can go and say, God, here it is, blah. That's what he calls us to do. That's that prayer. Third thing, invite him into everything. Who better knows your life? Who better knows what's coming around the corner? Who better knows what's all happening? Who better knows all of this? So why on earth would I keep God from certain things in my life? We have a tendency, and I, and I mentioned this earlier, we compartmentalize, don't we? We sit there and go like, okay, okay, here's my church life. It's nice and neat. Here's my family life. Here's my work life. And we have all these nice little boxes. What I have figured out over the years is every time I try to put God in a box, that box explodes. And he's like, oh, you think that's it? <laughs> we can't compartmentalize all this stuff. Listen, I believe God wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. He's concerned about every aspect of your life. The things that you think are medium, that don't mean anything. It's like God doesn't care my attitude when I'm driving or if I'm safe going down I-4. Gosh, I hope he's care because I believe angels fly with me every morning on I-4. <laughs> At least I hope so. Because some of those cars got demons attached to them and they're trying to kill me. <laughs> God cares about all of it. There's nothing too small, nothing too great. He wants you to share all of it. So stop trying to compartmentalize. Well, God doesn't care about this. God doesn't care about that. I don't want God to know about this. Invite him into everything. If your family is struggling, invite God in. In your relationships, invite God in. In your job, invite God in. In your neighborhood, invite God into it all. All of it God wants to be a part of. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 real quick.
I believe with all my heart, prayer needs to become an everyday, all the time, everywhere thing. I believe that upon my heart, that prayer needs to become every aspect of your life, all the time, 24-7, seven days a week, every day, every week. It's got to all become part of it. I think Paul knew this, and so he talked about this. Look at verse 16. He says, rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Even when it doesn't feel like you should rejoice. Even when it hurts, you can still rejoice. You know what the greatest fear on this planet is for every human being? Death. Because we all know it's coming. I remember my dad, I had the privilege of sitting with my dad the last year of his life. He died of emphysema. It's a horrible disease. He was slow. He was the strongest man I've ever known in my life, and I got to sit every weekend. And on his paperwork, he said, I was his pastor. <laughs> and so I'm like, Dad, you put it there? So I'm going to ask you questions. And I got to hear about his faith and everything. But he said something to me one day that I'll just never forget. He's like, son, I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid of death. It's the dying part. It's the process. Listen, if you are a follower of Christ today, if you are a disciple, if you've made that decision, death is not an end. Death is a beginning. It's something that should have never been here. And one day Christ will return and it will not be here anymore because it was never supposed to be part of this. And so it is not something that defeats us. It's something that reminds us that Jesus came and defeated it. If you're not sure about that, go to Israel, look in a tomb, because it's still empty. See, we need to pray all the time in everything. We need to rejoice always. We need to pray constantly. You know, we make a joke at my house, my life is a prayer. My life is a prayer. (laughs) There's not a moment, I can't think of a moment during the day when I'm actually not praying somewhere in my head. Every morning, I get in my car, I go down I-4. Have you been on I-4 lately? (laughs) I'm praying constantly. (laughs) I walk into Universal Studios, and I have to train people. I have to do so. I'm praying constantly because there's people that want to do stupid stuff all the time. I'm thinking about my kids, my future granddaughter that's coming. I'm praying for that. It's always on my mind. I'm thinking about my wife and what's going on. I'm thinking about you. and I, Guys, 24 hours is not enough time. I just keep praying all the time. We are called to pray constantly over and over again now let me just give you a little warning about this that does not mean to walk around with your head bowed and eyes closed okay (laughs) if you do you're going to end up on somebody's facebook page (laughs) or somebody's instagram just like oh hey video i'm getting like all the likes i get by the way does it anywhere in the bible does it say to bow your head and close your eyes when you pray isn't that funny though that's what we think the truth is is your posture of your body is not as important as the posture of your heart there are moments when yes there's there's moments when we need to kneel there's moments when we need to get prostrate on our face and we just got to lay down because we're overwhelmed by god but i'm just saying you can walk around all the time all the day saying a prayer you can be praying constantly all the time pray when you're driving 
please pray when you're driving. Keep your eyes open again. <laughs> pray for your family. Pray with your family. And by the way, don't pray for your family just at dinner, lunch, and breakfast. Pray with them all the time. Men, I want to challenge you. Every single night before you go to bed, you should pray with your wives. I think that's your role. I think you're called and commanded to do that. I think that's your duty to be a good husband. If you have kids, pray with your kids on a daily basis. Pray with them. Think about dropping them off to school. How cool would it be that every day you drop your kids off at school before they get out of that car or before they walk down, you stop and you pray with them. God, protect my kids. Use them for your glory today. You do that? We did that with our kids. We prayed every day with kids. And I'm not saying they were all, we had one, we had one, a lover to death. I'm not going to tell you which one, but we had one that's like, I don't like being a pastor's kid. I'm like, well, you're living out the stereotype. Perfect. <laughs> you're doing a great job with it. But both of my kids right now are chasing after Jesus and serving him. Different I believe all my heart is because we spent every day, we prayed with him. There wasn't a day that went by that the name of Jesus was not used in our household and never as a cuss word. Pray all the time. Pray with your friends. Someone comes up to you and says, man, hey, can you pray for me? Listen, I'll give you another hand. Don't sit there like, okay, yeah, I'll pray for you. You stop right there and pray. I don't know about you. I'm forgetful. I got a thousand things. What's really cool is here I'm Pastor Tony at Universal. I'm Tony the pastor. And I've got guys coming up to me every day like, hey, Tony, can, I, can you pray for me or something? And I will stop right there and like, let's do it right now. And they're like, whoa, what, what? It's <laughs> like, well, it'll be quick. I'll be quiet. Don't worry. <laughs> pray with them right now. Become being known as a person that prays. Because I'm telling you, if you become that person, there will be people that will seek you out. Because isn't it fascinating in all the world and all the stuff is like, you know, atheism and like we're going to do it our way. There is no God. Isn't it amazing when trouble hits, everyone's saying, will you pray for me? Hey, I don't know if this God of thing is yours real, but can you pray for me? Become people known for prayer. Listen, I, I, I know. If you've been in church at all, in any part of your life, you've heard him pray. And you're like, Tony, I know all this. I know the Lord's Prayer. I know all this stuff. I know about prayer. Then my question is very simple. Are you doing it? See, it's one thing to know it. We got churches full of people that know this. I think God is waiting for churches full of people doing this and being this and living this out. Listen, if you struggle with like, oh, I don't know how to share the gospel, I don't know that, you work on that relationship with God. You start praying on a daily basis. You start building that relationship. Then all this other stuff that we always say, you know, tithe and, and witness and all this other stuff and memorize scripture and serve and all that stuff, I think that becomes natural outflow of our relationship with God. Yeah. See, our, our problem is that we think it's this. Again, it's, it's what I do and then God will love me more. Understand this. If you don't hear anything else I ever say, God already loves you perfectly. And when we get that and when that relationship is going back and forth, we're in his word and we're praying and we are being with him on a daily basis. Naturally, we are going to change the world. You can't help to talk about Jesus when you're in love with him. When you understand how much he loves you. You can't help not to pray and talk to him. I look forward to the days, to the moments where I'm sitting around and just having time just to sit quietly and say, God, I just want to talk to you. 
We need to pray all the time. And I know if you know it, but it makes no difference if you're not doing it. I tell you this all the time, church. I think we come into God's presence every Sunday. He's here, whether you realize it or not. And in my Bible, there's only two different ways that we respond to God's presence. Either we fall down and says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips <laughs> and a people of unclean lips, and I need to be changed. And we leave changed, or we're like the rich young ruler. We leave sad because we walk out here and says, I missed something. I think it's the same way in our prayer life. That is a moment just to be intimate and quiet and with God and when it should change us. By the way, prayer is not for you to change someone else. <laughs> just a little side note. Because we pray those prayers like, God, if you would just help that person, <laughs> it would be all right. Listen, prayer, what usually happens in prayer is God changes our heart. That's what it's there for. We need to pray, and prayer is our most powerful tool, church. Without prayer, we don't accomplish anything. Without going to the throne, boldly being able to go to that throne, we don't accomplish anything. We accomplish everything when we start being prayer, people of prayer. I love this. Ari Tori, the great theologian, he says this. He says, when the devil sees a man or woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray, and who really does pray, and above all, when he sees a whole church on its face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did. For he knows that his day in that church or community is at an end. This is why it's so important. When the devil sees us praying as individuals, as a church, he's starting to get scared. Because that is what's going to change this community, guys. That's what's going to restore these families that are broken. These people that are lost and hurting. Prayer is going to change everything. And we get to do that. Listen, a church that prays together changes the world. And that starts with us doing it on a daily basis. You want to be established. You want to, you want to get down there and really get rooted with God. Then start talking to him. Start listening to him. And it will change everything. But don't just talk about it don't just set a plan about it do it do it and i promise you the world will change let's pray